Hi, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. I really love this episode because we talk about feelings and emotions. And if you've listened to the show for a while, you know from all the coaching episodes that I truly feel that learning how to express our feelings in healthy ways is very important. And often, our emotions and feelings are a messenger, they're here to get our attention. But what do you do with them? How do you not suppress them? When they do come up, what are healthy ways to work with them? That is everything that Amber Ray and I talk about in this Coach's Corner. So who is Amber Ray? Well, she's a very bright light. She's called a millennial motivator by Fortune and the Brene Brown of Wonder by Mind Body Green. She's an author, artist, and speaker whose work invites you to live your truth befriend your emotions, and express your gifts. In this episode, we talk about her new book as well, which is Choose Wonder Over Worry. Any worry words out there? I think you're really going to like this episode. Also, since this is an episode, we're talking a lot about expressing feelings and not letting them run the show or take you down. I want to mention a couple ways that I can help you with that as well. You've probably heard me talk about my personal mastery course. This is the course that really is like a whole mental, emotional, behavioral, and spiritual cleansing, healing, and makeover. In that course, I teach you all my best tools that I've learned, that I've adapted on my own, that I've created, that have helped me move out of depression, really use my feelings as messengers, not repress them, not get overtaken by them, and really see the value of them. And as a woman, this is incredibly important. And for all the women listening, the early bird discount for my signature retreat, which is coming up in March, ends on October 1st. We really like to incentivize you to commit early because a lot of times when we push off a decision, we end up not making it. And I know the value of this retreat. And I know that if you commit to be there in March, things in your life will immediately start to shift, even though it's just the end of September now. I've seen that in my own life when I've invested in a program or a coach, even if it's months out, just that decision to make the investment begins to shift things. The work begins the moment you decide to commit to the work. So you can learn more about that, christinehasser.com slash spring retreat. Both those links are in the show notes. And as always, you can email the amazing Jill at christinehasler.com and she can answer any questions you have. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor. When your billable hours start running into your happy hours, there's no time for an outfit change. Rewrite the rules of dressing for the job with Style for Work at Express. These fashion-forward pieces are designed to make syncing your professional schedule and personal life easier than ever. Shop Style for Work at Express and go from your first meeting to your last call without compromising your personal style. You can check out Express for all the best dress pants, work tops, blazers, and dresses. Get the newest looks for work or working from home if you're like me or that upcoming job interview or date or just to refresh your closet. Even better, you can shop more sizes and styles than ever. So here's your call to action. Shop Style for Work now at your nearest Express store or on express.com. Get $25 off when you spend $100 on anything Express using code Christine in store or code 4843 at express.com. Again, that's promo code Christine in store or 4843 at express.com. So 
Spend $100, use that code in store or online, and it's only $75. Pretty cool. And on to my coach's corner with Amber Ray. Amber, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Me too. Mm. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So listen, everyone, Amber and I were just talking about, okay, what can we, what can we talk about on this coach's corner and how can we deliver a lot of value? And she immediately went into talking about how we can make our feelings, our friends and how our emotions are messengers. And I'm like, that's it. Because we talk (laughs) so much on this show about the importance of expressing our feelings and So many people call in for coaching sessions and they want the answer. They want the advice about how to change something in their life. But if they're not feeling their feelings from things Mm. that are coming up or things from the past, then we just create experiences either inwardly or outwardly that trigger those feelings because our unconscious and, and I like to say our soul so wants us to be free of feelings we're repressing. But we live in a world where there's so many ways where we can suppress and numb and distract and stay out of our feelings. But eventually, I like to liken it to holding a beach ball underwater. Mm. It it comes up and splashes us in the face or it manifests as disease, um, not being able to make money, relationships falling apart, so on and so forth. So talk to us a little bit about how you discovered that our feelings are our friends and the processes that work really well for you and all the people you teach and inspire about how to really work with our emotions. Yeah. So I came to this, like I came to a lot of things. It was my own mess (laughs) and I'm a big believer that our pain can be our purpose and our mess can be our message. So I was early twenties, rising the ranks in Silicon Valley, numbing my emotions at left, right, and center, popping Adderall to get more done, dating emotionally unavailable men. It was just, I didn't know how to have a relationship with my emotions and I made them wrong and I made them bad. And Mm. I really shamed myself for feeling jealousy or feeling, um, feeling anything really. And I thought if I wasn't happy and positive all the time, then I actually wouldn't be love Mm. or wouldn't be lovable. And so this all culminated, I actually had a seizure and then a series of panic attacks and breakdowns where, you know, it was, those breakdowns were my, my soul. I really feel like waking me up and saying, hi, this isn't working, pay attention. We need to do things differently. And at that time in my life, I was really living in accordance with how I thought other people wanted me to live. I was living very much in the paradigm of should and pleasing others and really not honoring who I was, what I desired, or the the calls or intuitive pulls I felt, uh, you know, yelling at me or whispering from within. And so that breakdown really led me to, you know, my book's called Choose Wonder Over Worry. I was in that like paralyzing worry stage, but it led me to wonder. And I began to wonder, you know, why am I living this way? Where did I learn this? Um, What are the stories that I'm telling myself? And where did I borrow those beliefs from? And as I became really curious about my own pain and began to turn toward it, a whole world opened up. And that's when I really discovered that the feelings weren't the problem, but it was my relationship to them. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't the shame that was going to hurt me or the anxiety that was going to destroy my life, but the fear that was going to be my enemy, but it was going to and how I related to those things could actually were, were, were what was actually causing the suffering. Well, can I, yeah, what I was going to say yeah. is I, 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 well, I'm taking notes. I have so many things I want to unpack in there. One of the 
my favorite things that I learned at my grad school where I studied spiritual psychology was how you relate to the issue is the issue. Mm. And I just want to anchor that in for everybody. It's not, it's not the feeling that's the problem. It's how you relate to the feeling, which is why in so much of the work that I do with people, and I'm sure you do, Amber, as well, is when the feeling comes up, you greet it like a child. You greet it like a friend. You say hello, and you you, you greet it with acceptance. So it mm-hmm. sounds like that was a big shift for you, is to stop judging the feelings and shaming the feelings. Totally. Stop shaming them and just turn toward it with curiosity and wonder. Be like, hmm, mm. you know, why is this here? I, I had read this story um, Tara Brock, she writes about in her book, Radical Acceptance, but she talks about this notion about, you know, inviting, and this comes from the Buddha and Mara, inviting the demon in for tea. And so inviting the quote unquote, who we think the enemy is for tea, in for tea is an honored guest. And so really what I was learning to do was learning to invite in these uncomfortable and tricky parts of myself that I had made wrong for so long and just invite them in and make them honored and be like, hmm, you know, what message do you have for me? Why have you been hanging out here? What is it that you want me to know? And that shift in relationship had me realize that my anxiety was actually trying to tell me that my life was out of alignment, that I was pursuing things that weren't aligned with my true desires and calls. And I was experiencing, you know, rage because I was allowing people to cross so many boundaries and I wasn't speaking up and I wasn't saying that's not okay. And so I realized that these, these emotions were actually really powerful messengers when I was able to pause, turn toward them, hear what they had to say and find out the message that they were wanting to illuminate in my life. Got it. And how did you, cause I think one of the uh, biggest leaps we make is the decision to actually feel our feelings and relate to them in a different way. So is this, I think I know the answer, but I just want to really (laughs) ask it anyway. Was this an overnight process or did this take a little time for you? Yeah, this uh, took uh, probably about a decade of forward (laughs) steps and back. (laughs) And I mean, I I remember when someone was like, well, you just have to feel your feelings. And I was like, how do I feel my feelings? (laughs) You know, it's like, these are all the things that we're not, this is the missing curriculum from all schooling. It's like, okay, math. Great. That's, you know, that's useful, but like, how do I actually relate to my emotional world and feel my feelings? So yeah, this was a, a long unfolding. Um, and it's still, it's still something that, you know, this has become my life's work, but it's also still something that I'm discovering every day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, still human. So, (laughs) (laughs) right. Still evolving, still growing. You know, I'm in a new relationship. So I'm like, Oh, wow. Wow, thought I did a lot of work. Oh wow, look at look at that. Look at that. You know? <laughs> so totally. But I, I do know that, and I've said this on the show before, you know, my last book was called Expectation Hangover. And that's, you know, any disappointment, anytime we get triggered, all that kind of stuff. And with more tools and more time and more life experience and, and almost just more more greater love and acceptance of ourselves, the time between my expectation hangovers or kind of being taken, taken off track by my feelings is, Mm -hmm. gets longer, right? And the time I spend suffering and it gets shorter. And I think that's really what, what I have found in, in practicing release work with my emotions has got me is that, you know, pain and, and feeling is inevitable in the human experience is how we learn, but the degree of suffering that's optional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So Amber, I'm, I'm curious about something. I'm, 
curious and I'm in wonderment about something. <laughs> I had Marissa Peer on the podcast about a month ago or so, and she is a very well-known, amazing therapist. And my interview with her was great. She gave us so much value in Coach's Corner. And she said that pretty much all of our feelings are created by thought. So mm. if we want to change our feelings, all we need to do is change our thoughts. And I said, well, what about, you know, just the feelings that come up and emotional expression? Like, where's the value of that? And really, she she kind of she kept coming back to, we just need to change our thinking and our belief system and know that we're enough rather than sit in our feelings. And I'm just curious what what your uh, perspective is on that. Yeah, I I differ with that a bit. I mean, I totally understand that perspective and to and, you know and believe that there's what happens in our lives and there's the meaning that we derive from that and mm -hmm. that story that we create and those beliefs that we create. You know, I, I think I think of my first heart wrenching breakup and how what happened is a guy broke up with me, but what I made that mean is that I was unworthy of love, mm -hmm. and so you unconsciously believed for years that um, I just wasn't lovable. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that I was unlovable. It was just that that was the story that I created and that created a series of feelings. Well, I totally believe and buy into that. And it did take me looking at that belief system, looking at that patterning and be beginning to rewrite that and find evidence to prove that that wasn't true. I also, you know, believe that emotions arise within us and they aren't necessarily tied to thought. Yeah. I don't have research in front of me to back that up. But mm -hmm. my personal experience has been that I can feel waves of emotions even when I'm not thinking. Yes. And, you know, something I've actually been realizing is the gender bias that exists in the, the study of emotions that exists today. Everything that almost everything, all of the research that we have around emotions has been by white men who have a bias that women with emotions are hysterical. Mm -hmm. And men who experience emotions are weak. That's a huge generalization, but in general, that's been the study. And there's actually a book, I haven't dived in deeply into it yet, but a woman who's basically challenging everything that we've shown in research about emotions, even the belief that emotions live in certain parts of our brain. I remember she said, if you take out the amygdala, which is where fear we we have been taught lives, you'll still experience fear. Mm -hmm. And so I, this is why I'm so curious about this world, because I feel like there's so much untapped potential in the study of emotions. But in my experience, emotions can exist without being tied to thoughts. Yes, I, I agree. I, I feel if you someone dies, right, you're going to feel grief. It's not going to be thoughts mm -hmm. that you you create. And it's interesting what you're saying about it being biased towards men which doesn't surprise me. And I actually knew that too. I'm, I've been learning a little bit more about, especially for women, our brain chemistry and our hormone production through our cycle. And mm. that there's like optimal times to be doing certain things. And if we do certain things out of sync with our cycle, we're going to feel a natural state of overwhelm or that kind of quote unquote hysterical or whatever, but that's because we're out of sync. So for example, mm -hmm. in our follicular phase, in the beginning of our cycle, we're, that's when new ideas are supposed to come in. But in mm -hmm. the in the luteal phase, right before we bleed, that's when we're really supposed to, and I learned this from Elisa Vitti in her program, Full of Living, that's when we're really supposed to be taking action, not putting new ideas in. And I can remember when my partner came to me with a big new idea 
And I got overwhelmed. And he's like, why are you getting overwhelmed? This is a good idea. I'm like, ah, it's just like, I'm overwhelmed. And I tracked it back and it was the wrong phase of my cycle. It was, it was that. So it's this kind of research I think is so important to give us one, an understanding of emotions from a neurological point, but also mm-hmm. to help us really feel, especially as women, that we're not crazy or hysterical when we have feelings. Right. I love that. Yeah. That makes sense why I got in a fight with my fiance yesterday. (laughs) I'm definitely in the luteal phase and he was like trying to share his big new idea. And I just like, for whatever reason, could not hear him or could not reflect back to him. And I just, we both ended up shutting down and it was was a whole thing. And we're like... The, today we're like, what happened? And then he did ask, he's like, what phase of your cycle are you yeah. on? <laughs> yes. I think Smart he's, man. he's tracking me. <laughs> yes. And this is a beautiful example of what you're saying our feelings are a friend because your overwhelm in that moment was feedback to you of, whoa, don't have the right brain chemistry for this right now. So it's like the feeling was an ally in that moment and was stopping it because it wasn't, it wasn't the time for that. So I think we just, like, if we really see our feelings as our messenger, then mm-hmm. we don't make ourselves wrong for them. And and we can actually have, like, a lot more peace in our life, too. So, so I love that. And thank you for sharing that. I want to go back, Amber, to when you were sharing your story, you said that you were really living the life that you thought you should leave and, and living the life that you thought other people wanted you to lead. How does someone know if they're living a life for others or societal expectations versus themselves? Like what was your aha moment in that? Yeah, my aha moment was, well, I gained 30 pounds. I was breaking out in rashes. So my body, a lot of my, I feel like my body is my secret language that is telling me what's going on. I felt dread every morning. I didn't want to get out of bed when the alarm went off. I wasn't sleeping well. It was just every area of my life, it felt like something was disconnected. I felt out of sync with myself um, and just out of touch with, with who I am. I stopped doing some of the things that I love to do that really brought me alive. And so those were, I think a lot of the symptoms I was, I was, you know, drinking significantly more because I was trying to numb out and take the edge off of the sense of unfulfillment and dissatisfaction I felt in my life. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, maybe I'm, you know, I thought, is this the way it's supposed to be? Is this what it means to become an adult? And, you know, everywhere I looked, it seemed like everyone was like just going in the motions. And I just, thought there had to be more. And so it was just an overwhelming sense of dissatisfaction and despair. And also, but there was still, when I would get quiet with myself, there was still a voice. And at this point it was quite quiet. That was just saying like, this is not you, this is not your life. And I was so terrified of that voice because I knew that if I listened to it, it was going to turn my life upside down. And, And I didn't know what was going to be more uncomfortable leaving the life that I was in or staying in it. Mm -hmm. And eventually that life of this is not your life. This is not your life. This is not who you are. This is not who you are. It began to get louder and louder and louder to the point where I realized, okay, am I going to, am I going to burn this up and start anew? Or am I going to keep convincing myself that, that this is working? Yeah. Yeah. So can you walk us through some of the exercises that have been really helpful to you? Because you went from numbing and suppressing (laughs) to being curious about your feelings and having them be messengers and friends. So what are some of the things for you that worked really well? 
Well, I think just on the notion of should, something that was really helpful was I grabbed a sheet of paper and I had two lists. I should do this. And then in the second column, I said, or I could do this. Mm. And just going through the exercise of, of realizing all the way, all the things that I thought I should do. And when I went through that should list, I was like, well, why do you know? And I would, why, why do I think I should do this? Why do I think I should have this job in tech? Oh, because people think it means I'm successful. Oh, because uh, my mentors validate me uh, in this path. You know, I just got really curious about that. And then in the column of, or I could do this, I was like, or I could quit my job and start anew, or I could, you know, and I just let my imagination go wild about what other possibilities existed without knowing, you know, sometimes I remember having the fear of writing down what I could do because if I wrote it down, it might become real. And I was afraid of, I was actually afraid of things feeling good. And, and so I just went through the exercise of allowing my imagination to go travel the world, meet the man of my dreams. And those things felt so out of reach at that time. And, and once I had gone through the exercise, I, it became really clear around what felt true and what felt not true. I think that's a big, huge distinction, what feels true and what doesn't feel true. And we have to really slow ourselves down because a mind can get really hooked into something and, and convince us that we're true. Even, even something like I'm not enough or I'm not worthy, you know, over mm -hmm. time, we, we believe those things. So really slowing it down. I think is a really, really, really important thing. And when it actually came to feeling and expressing your feelings, how did you navigate that? It for me started with journaling. Um, I've always been a writer and journaling for me was really how I found my way home. And I would, you know, I would open the notebook and I would begin the page. And my, my goal was to tell myself the truth. And to just be really honest about where I was at and how I was feeling. And the question I started asking myself, and this came because I think I, I read The Artist's Way when I was making this transition about a decade ago. And in The Artist's Way, of course, she introduces morning pages, which is three pages of stream of consciousness writing. And I built on that by having the question be, how are you feeling right now? Mm. And so I, this is a practice I still do today where I wake up and I write about how I'm feeling. And it's not attaching to or creating story about the feelings that are coming up in the moment, but just knowing that these waves want to pass through and I'm giving them an outlet so that I can have that release so that it's not staying stuck in my body. So journaling by far is my form of release, my form of letting go, my form of acknowledging, my form of really being honest with myself about where I'm at, what's working, what's not working. Because, you know, and it's not that I need to solve anything. I don't need to solve my feelings in the journaling practice, which is something in the beginning I was trying to fix and solve everything. And I found that so long as I acknowledge it and write it down, it tends to solve itself. Mm -hmm. Or two days later, I meet someone who provides an aha moment or, you know, the universe works in very mysterious ways and, and learning that practice of trust alongside the practice of really acknowledging, accepting and releasing was so profoundly powerful for me. I, I love that. I love that. And ha have you ever done, because I, I teach something called the temper tantrum technique, which is literally mm. about taking yourself through the adult version of a temper tantrum. And it's more than just catharsis, because I think a lot of people teach emotional release work as just catharsis, just yell and scream. And mm -hmm. although that's helpful somatically in terms of a release, unless we really attach it to the thought and the feelings that go with it, it kind of just can be exhausting and draining and not get us the release that we're really looking for. So I'm curious, have you explored that kind of emotional release work or has, has journaling really done it for you? Journaling has been one of my core techniques, but I've definitely like, I think of 
a relationship that was ending and I used the pillow to Mm -hmm. express (laughs) my rage around the very specific person. And it was, again, it was like getting the energy of that person out of my body and putting it into the pillow or some of the techniques. I've also done cord cutting exercises where I've been guided through a visualization with a, with a healer and a coach who guided me to go back to a specific memory that I was holding on to. And then I would cut a cord of our connection. Mm. Guided visualizations too have been really profound where, and this is more about meeting guides. I don't know that something I could send is there's this future self visualization where I met my future self 20 years from now. Mm. And I have this, I still to this moment, I know this moment we're sitting on swings in a jungle. She's wearing this like white goddess dress and I can go there and I can ask her for perspective and for wisdom. And it's like, I'm able to access the goddess or like the super wise version of myself within myself. And that helps me more if I'm swirling or stuck or uncertain or searching for clarity, I can pause, tune into her and ask for wisdom. I love that. I love that. So let's let's do a little hypothetical. A big emotion that a lot of listeners feel is anxiety. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the feeling of anxiety and how you would greet that with curiosity and wonder and make it a friend. So I come from the brand world and I started my career, you know, building brand archetypes. Anytime we had a product, it was like, okay, who are the archetypes of consumers who are going to build this product? And we would build as vividly as possible what this consumer was like, where they lived, what they looked like, what their interests were. And when I started doing this emotional work, I realized, wait, what if I actually archetyped my emotions and built characters around them so that I could dialogue with them, have a conversation with them and create distance between me and some voice or sensation inside of me so that I can have clarity and, and, and insight from them. And so the the big technique, my favorite technique is actually this, this character building. And so for example, one of my characters is Anxious Annie. And Anxious Annie is just always so nervous and mm-hmm. freaking out and everything's going to go terribly wrong. And if I can't control it, oh my God, you know, that's how she talks. And so mm-hmm. I was able, you know, anxious Annie wears these glasses and her body's caving forward. And she actually looks more like a 12 year old girl and she's wearing overalls and she has really long stringy hair. And she's just so afraid that everyone's going to pick on her and hate her and she's not going to belong or be loved. Mm -hmm. And so, and that like, if she tries anything new or uncomfortable, AKA meaningful, then everything is going to blow up and fall apart and she is going to end up alone. Right. So once I was able to build what, you know, anxious Annie looked like, what she sounded like, what her big fears were, then anytime I'm feeling super anxious in the day, I can one, sometimes it's simple as saying like, what's up, Annie? I see you. I understand that you're because, you know, anxiety shows up because our our body is trying to keep us safe and protect us from danger. So just Mm -hmm. knowing that she cares and wants to protect me, Annie, I know you're, you're a little nervous right now. I totally understand why we're trying something new and uncomfortable and that kind of freaks you out, but we got this. Mm -hmm. I I promise you, let just, just give, let's give this a shot. And sometimes it's just like a quick acknowledgement of, I see you, I see you hanging out. It's okay. We're safe. We're going to do this. Um, and she'll release her grip or sometimes we have to have a full on intervention where I literally, and there's this, um, in, in a psychotherapeutic technique is the two chairs exercise where I literally mm-hmm. will go 
between two chairs. And in one chair is like me wise centered Amber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and in the other chair is anxious Annie. And so I'll be like, okay, Annie, I really see that, you know, this, this, we're about to launch this. Like when I was launching my book, I did this. I'm about to put my book out into the world. And I know you're so anxious because it's really raw and vulnerable. And you're afraid that everyone's going to judge you and reject you. Tell me about what's going on. And Mm. then I would like switch to the other chair and let anxious Annie voice what she was feeling. And then I'd go back to the other chair and be like, okay, so I hear you saying this. Am I hearing this right? And I go back into the other chair. And it was as if I, and I pulled a lot of my process through nonviolent communication and how we can um, nonviolently and empathetically communicate with ourselves, see ourselves, um, and just understand and let these parts of ourselves have a voice. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's between the two chairs. Sometimes it's just like real time acknowledgement. And, you know, neuroscience has shown that when we can label our feelings and not just say, oh, this is anxiety, but have a more vivid description of what that anxiety feeling is, we're basically wiring our brain to be able to deal with it more effectively in the future. I love and so, that. So when, you know, in the beginning, it was like, okay, building the character for, it took a little bit of time, but now to the point where I might like feel anxiety, I acknowledge it and I can move through it in 10 seconds where, you know, in the past it's taken 10 days for me to really, you know, um, figure out the process. Mm, I love that. I I teach that. I call it the empty chair process. And yeah, I love that. And oftentimes, (laughs) oftentimes when I'm really in it, I'll put coach Christine in one chair and like human Christine, who's having a freak out in the other chair. And I'm like, oh, wow, maybe I should share some of this wisdom and life coaching I give others with myself. And it it works really well. And it's so, I have found it so much more effective than trying to have a conversation in my head or even journaling sometimes, because it really, it really lets you see the different parts of yourself. And I think that's valuable too, because then you can see a part of you is having the feeling. Mm-hmm. And a part of you is able to observe it, talk to it, be with it, and manage it. it I, I like to sometimes think of our feelings as children. And it's like, yes. okay, what do you need? What do you need? How do I love you? How do I love you? And and we have multiple children, <laughs> like Mother yes. Goose with our feelings. <laughs> yeah. Totally, yeah. Totally. Actually, so I went into TED um, and worked with a bunch of the the speakers who mm. were all freaking out and so anxious and overwhelmed and dealing with imposter syndrome and all the feels. And I introduced the idea that we're all going to build to take our biggest fear about getting on that stage and create a character around it. And then we're going to act it out. Love that. And you should have seen, you should have seen everyone's faces. They're like, you're out of your, your damn mind. There is no way I'm going to get up and, and be a character. But one by one, they went up and like, we're like, I'm unoriginal and uninteresting. And, you know, they really built on these voices and these characters and they talked the way they talked and moved the way they moved. And everyone after was like, that was so powerful because exactly like you said, I was able to observe the character and realize it's not me Mm, and realize that that that's just something passing through. And, you know, it might be an an abandoned part of me, but I realized that like, there's me who's going to be a badass on stage. And there's the part of me that's like a child and is so afraid. Yep. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And it's how we're with that afraid part that gives us the freedom because then that little child isn't running the show. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Okay. So I tell people a little bit more about your book, Choose Wonder Over Worry, Move Beyond Fear and Doubt to Unlock Your Full Potential. 
So choose wonder over worry. I I like to think of it as a GPS to your emotions. So Mm -hmm. if you've seen the movie Inside Out, I have a similar journey where I'm taking you to meet all of the characters of your inner world and learn to understand how they talk. And so it's you'll meet fear and imposter syndrome and perfectionism and anxiety and stress the F out and all these different aspects of of us that show up in our day-to-day lives. And through vulnerable storytelling and practical exercises, show you how you can move through and really learn to shift your relationship to your emotions. I love that. And people can get it at all the places like Amazon and bookstores and all of that. Or they all can the places. all the places, or they can go to choosewonder.com and see your gorgeous yes. face. And you have lots of sample chapters and ways for them to connect with you. But any other, where can they find you on social media? So Instagram is my favorite because I'm also an Me artist. Me too. So on Instagram, I'm Hey Amber Ray, and I would love to hear from you what resonated from this show, what really stood out, what insight are you taking away? Comment on one of my posts and let me know so I know who you are. And then amberray.com is my blog and website, and there's all kinds of uh, content for you there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amber. Thank you for being curious about your own feelings and your own experience so that you could bring this beautiful work into the world. Thank you. This was so fun. Yay. And before I sign off for all those freelancers and graphic designers out there, it may be time to upgrade to a business class PC because the difference between a business class PC and a consumer grade PC are big. First of all, performance. Many modern consumer grade processors and mobile operating systems prioritize battery life over processing power. Business class PCs prioritize both. Work longer and get faster processing power. And every elite HP PC comes with premium support, providing round-the-clock service from U.S.-based specialists. Plus, you get great software and security. Business class devices help their users take advantage of their advanced features with free bundled software that's not available on consumer-grade PCs. And you're going to get better design. To create images that have the impact you want as a graphic designer, you need a laptop with high computing power. So here's what you do. You can get an extra 10% off on select 8th generation Intel powered PCs if you go to hp.com slash over it. Again, 10% off on select 8th generation Intel powered PCs if you go to hp.com slash over it. All right, everyone, that is the show for today. Sending you so much love and many blessings. Until next time.